Welcome to Doc Talks, brought to you from NerdWorks Media. Hi, welcome back to Doc Talks, where I Doc Talk. It's me, Doc. You may know me from certain things as the host of Doc Talks. Welcome back. I am glad to see everybody here. You can find the show live on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash uh, Nerdworks Media. That's Nerdworks with a U. What's up, Druidlocks? Thanks for stopping in. Gen Con was a success for our friends over at Rupture RPG, I heard, and I am so excited for them because it's always awesome to have things going the way you want them to, so... If you don't know about Rupture RPG, just do a quick Google search. You'll find them. You'll see them in our Discord. Um, they're there. We can get you over to their Discord. Let me go ahead and in Twitch here, type in our super secret code to put up the Discord so that you can go talk to them. I hope everybody's doing well. There is so much going on in the world of tabletops and it's great this right now what we're concentrating on is D&D that is going to be season one as soon as I feel comfortable coming out of season one we'll go into other games that I know I'm hoping to get rupture RPG there but to be fair I just started reading it don't 100% know about it from what I've seen it is a fantastic system works really well um, and from what I see, really helps the story move along. And I really just encourage you to go seek that out. For those that saw last night, we did not do Bros and Dragons recording for Bros and Dragons podcast. Aw, little tear. And that's fine. That's because, well, one of Sean's employees is Geek Girl Lissa, who was there running games. And she needed to get home safely. We didn't want her to rush, so we took the night off. And we're glad we did. And we will get on and do it together, Sean. I promise. I want to learn. I want to understand it. But I do have other systems I also want to cover as well. But we got to get it into the mix. I want it to be here. Um, for everybody who came out and watched me compliment enemies that shot me in Call of Duty and I die a lot. I should just make a, uh, a really quick short to put up everywhere of just me complimenting people. Uh, I really do appreciate you coming out. For those that are following me over at twitch.tv forward slash I am DM Doc, I am on my road to affiliate. I am trying to see the hoops and the grinding and everything the affiliates do. Part of my job here at NerdWorks Media is Chief Operating Nerd, and it is my job to be Chief of Operations. So in that light, helping people, getting understanding, understand the grind that they go through, seeing the stuff that they go through, and doing the steps is important to me. You can help me out by going over there and giving me a follow. The first thing to becoming affiliate is to have 50 followers, so we are almost there. I think we are 13 shy right now. I am so proud of our Discord community now that I put them up there. I just want to speak on this. The Discord community that we have started at NerdWorks for the whole of the new year nerdworks universe there's a lot of new things on the horizon um 
with Sean here, Rupture RPG is starting, I believe it's this Friday, but stay tuned. Send them some love. Come watch them as they tell a story of the Bros and Dragons universe, the world of Bengen. They have a whole land there that they are creating for the world book, and we'll be playing the Rupture RPG. And you can see this brand new and quite amazingly written RPG, TTRPG of rupture see it played see its playability but be sure to send them some love and come on out thank you for the likes by the way kevin i see that down here we're going to jump in because i only have 45 minutes and i can talk about the community it, it's just a loving wonderful community and and i would get lost in it as we're going through dungeons and dragons today we're going to talk about fighter I encourage you to listen to this. Sean's already created his game, but if you're thinking about creating a game because you don't like something, these podcasts might help you. Dungeons and Dragons isn't the cornerstone of TTRPG, to say, but 5e really has a playability, and as I go through these, you can see what they were doing, just to expand a little bit about, or maybe even see what you didn't know was available to you. I want to also encourage you that as we go into fighters, that we don't look at this as some boring class. Fighters are not boring classes. Fighters are, there needs to be a class that helps others learn, right? So there needs to be a class that's easy to use when you come in and play a game. In Dungeons and Dragons, there are some easy ones, but Fighter is going to take the case, and, and we'll get we'll talk about the subclasses. In for Fighters, they're called Martial Archetypes or Archetypes, depending on how you want to pronounce it. I don't care if there's a right way. I just want to be clear. I have played Dungeons and Dragons long enough that we used to have to try to pronounce the words before we saw anybody pronounce the words. And way back when, if you said as an example, I thought Tarask was pronounced Tarasque for a long time. So I'm never going to get mad at anybody who says archetype or archetype when they come to my tables. And I hope you're not either. Excuse me. It's been up and down with the weather, cold and hot, so I get a runny nose. And I don't want to do that on this, but I'm sorry, it had to happen. I will cut it out for the podcast, I promise. But the subclasses of fighter have become pretty robust they're not your simple fighter anymore now is there going to be stuff that all fighters have that seems simple yes it's easy to start with fighter when you're looking into D because this is the class where everything else branches off of but it's also the class that's missed the most and can do the most for a party i want to preface that it doesn't matter and i hope chat follows this as well we never make fun of anybody for what they want to play um if they're like me, simple character has much more to it. It's not boring. It's not everything has its place, right? And we have to stop saying negative things about classes that we don't like to play just because we don't like to play them. This is another step, and you can go through all of my doc talks and see what I'm talking about. This is the steps to a non-toxic table. Many years ago, talking with friends about video games, because I'm also the video game nerd, we were talking about what our favorite Nintendo, original NES game was. And one of my friends said it was Ten Yard Fight. Absolutely one of his favorite games of all times. At the time, it was low bar. Now it would be 
it, uh, very ancient, but it was a football game with white dots, and you moved across the field. If he didn't start, I would have probably made fun of 10-yard fight. And when my realization was there, this really good friend and I would have beef because of an opinion, a negative opinion that I had. I think it was the first time that I ever realized what it meant to, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything. 10-yard fight isn't a bad game if you look at it as a game. Not as a graphics, not as some people look at movies for CGI and explosions. Some people look at it for plot and story. Neither one is incorrect. Both of them have a different way to have their needs met. We need to start doing that at our tables. This is part of becoming a non-toxic table. Also, I'd like to point out, think of how powerful a person would have to be if they came to a group with unique casters and magic and the ability to talk and and to weave magic through stories and imagine how powerful the simple fighter has to be to keep up with these unique and powerful parties that they're associated with fighters are so many things and 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 they're seen as basic and they're really not especially now as we get more and more but even in the player's handbook they have some amazing abilities and great role-playing features to them <laughs> first as always we usually take a historic look at what we talk about it's fine when we talk about most classes fighter is going to be a little convoluted because when you say fighter you think soldiers you think knights you think militia of old you think guardians of the land like the zulu or even a town's lawmen in western society there are so many historic examples of what a fighter would be that you can just choose how you want your fighter to be and you're probably well within the realms of awesome RP for it. The second thing we start off with on all of these is what everyone gets. So we're talking about fighters, so when you start off playing fighter, this is what every fighter gets in D&D 5th edition. First, they gain proficiency with all armors, shields, all weapons, simple and martial. There's not much to the written class in the book than just by, you know, a battle, a fighter. There's nothing in battle besides magic that a fighter can't use. And even then, it depends on which kind of fighter you choose. The first thing every single one of them gets to do is they get to choose a fighting style. And that's dependent on what kind of fighter you're trying to make. When you start off at level 1 or even level 0, yes, there are level 0 games where you start off as a commoner that gets into a group, which is an amazing idea and I love. When you hit level 1, you get to choose a fighting style. One or two. Before you pick your archetype, archetype, whatever. And before you pick that subclass... You have to have an idea where you're going because what you choose here, you can't change. If you have a cool DM, you can, but if you want the story just to continue, you really should put some time into it so that you don't have to change down the line. And I'll just go through these. I'm not going to do this for everything because some of the lists are very long and we try to get through stuff so people understand it. <clears throat> so when we look at this and, and we look down this list in this fighting style list right so the first thing that is is the archer 
And old armies had archers. They were the long-range class for regular armies. And so if you want to go archer, it gives you plus two bonus to attack rolls using bow and arrow. The second one is defense. And and a lot of these are going to do what they sound like, but I just want to go through them. And if you choose defense, you're allowed to gain one to your your AC. Uh, Your armor class is what AC stands for. Dueling says when you're using a one-handed weapon and no other, this allows you to gain a plus two to damage roll. So instead of the attacking, it puts it on the damage side. And... There's again these these all it depends on what you're going to build. So you have to kind of know the direction you're going in. And when it comes to role playing, you really should know that direction. Or at least let the story guide what you're doing. Great weapon fighting allows you to re-roll ones and twos um, that you roll for your damage rolls. You have to take the second new roll no matter what. So if it rolls ones and twos again, you have to take them. But I want to point out it doesn't have to be a great weapon. The actual rules state that it has to be a weapon that has the property of two-handed or the property of versatile, meaning one or two-handed. So it does not have to be a two-handed weapon that you're using. And you don't have to be using it as a two-handed weapon if it's versatile at the time to get the bonuses either. And then protection. Uh, This allows you to gain a reaction option, which is kind of cool when it comes to having options in fights or battles or even RPs, things that you can go to. Reaction is one of those things usually there's very limited to, to them and you can actually add a reaction to every fighter by taking protection. In this case, you can use your reaction to impose disadvantage on attacks to a target that is five feet from you. The rules do not say that the attacking creature has to be five feet from you. It doesn't even say that the attack has to be a melee or close attack. It just says that you need to be five feet from the creature being attacked, and you can impose, by using your reaction, disadvantage on that attack. The only caveat to this is it says you have to be able to see the attacking creature, and you have to be wielding a shield, because that's part of it. And if you want to play that out, you're using your shield to make it more difficult to shoot. There are rules for cover, but this is not the same. This is you using your shield, and you can move your shield where you can't move normal cover. Um, there is one more option I missed, I'm sorry. The two-weapon fighting, and this is where you use two weapons one in each hand and what this does is it allows you to gain the benefits of having the attack modifier or the ability modifier added to the second set of damage in D, if you don't want to take that you want to take something else whether it be defense or something else and still carry two weapons you can do that these are not limiting you to what you can and can't do just remember that it's just the dice roll, not the ability modifier and the dice roll on the second attack. It's that simple. And the second attack obviously being the bonus action. So if you have a bonus action for something else, you can't do this. You only get to, again, select one of these right off the bat. And in some instances, you get to choose another one down the line, depending on how far you get or the classes themselves. But just remember that once you choose it, it's, it's there. You can't choose the same one twice either. I've seen people try that one as well. 
All fighters are going to get an ability called Second Win. So once per short or long rest, I'm just going to say short rest, because we'll just assume that if you could do it after a short rest, you could do it after a long rest. I've never seen that differently. But once per short rest, you can use your bonus action to add hit points to your PC, which is 1d10 plus your fighter level. Very specific. If you read these, it's not your character level, it's your fighter level. This is a fighter digging deep, that stamina of training and working and just going through the steps and measures of being a fighter and everything that they do. Allows them to push through some or even shrug off some damage. That's what this would relate to. That's how I would play it for my role playing and my flavor. All fighters gain action surge. <clears throat> Excuse me. You can use this feature again once every short rest. Until 17th level, I think you pick up a second one. But for one of your turns, as a free action, so you just say, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to use my action surge. And then you get to take one additional action. The cool part is, is how you play this, right? If you want to get another set of attacks, and we'll, we'll cover this in the next one when you gain the extra attacks, it's the wording that you have to look at. So at 5th level, you gain an extra attack. And, and this is the clarification. You can attack twice when you use the attack action in your action economy. So you have to attack, and then you can attack again for free, but you have to take that first attack. If you don't attack with your action, you don't get that second attack. This is not using your bonus action to take an attack, which even those are written that you have to attack and then use your bonus action. This is literally just attacking, well, at fifth level twice. It goes up in levels. At fourth level, you actually attack four times every time you take the attack action. And if you have your bonus action, that's four more attacks because... It's just when you use the attack action, you get more attacks. At ninth level, you get Indomitable. Uh, once per long rest, this one's a little different, you can reroll a saving throw. If you do, you have to use a new roll no matter what. But again, it increases how many times you can do this at later levels. 17th level, you can use it three times to a long rest. I think that's the most. And so this is going to cover... Everything that we get as a fighter. I skipped over your... You're going to get ability score or where you choose ability score or feats through this. It's not necessarily part of the class, even though I'm not sure I skipped it. It might be more. But let's go through the subclasses. And again, remember they're called martial, martial archetypes or archetypes. Alphabetically. So we're going to start off with Arcane Archer. Heard a lot of people complain about this one. They don't like it, but a lot of people that complain about the game and the mechanics of the game are usually people that just want everything to be a big dungeon crawl or something in that area where all they're doing is fighting all the time. I've played an arcane archer and I actually enjoy it because it's customizable within reason of things. <clears throat> So along with possibly taking Archer as your fighting style, at third level when you take this, you gain something called Arcane Archer Lore. 
you become knowledgeable about magical theory a little bit. And what it does is that knowledge, your start down the path, starts with you choosing either prestidigitation or druid and druidcraft. And I think it would be cool if you use this when you think about this as where you come from. Are you from a city, which would be more prestidigitation? Are you from a forest area or an area that's heavy in druids that you could talk to? Druidcraft would make sense. But you play how you want to play. Just make sure that your excuse me, that was a hiccup. Just make sure that your backstory lines up. At third level, you also gain arcane shot. Now, there's a list of arcane shot options, and you have to choose them. Once per turn, when you fire an arrow from a short or long bow, as part of the action, you can apply an arcane shot option to the arrow. Now, you can decide to do this after you know the shot hits. So you, it's like smite, you don't have to waste it. My dog barks, so I apologize. So, the other part of this is some of the arcane shots don't require you to hit. And so you don't need to wait, but just remember that you can shoot, and if you miss, you just don't say you're using it. You get to do this a certain amount of levels. You'll gain... Um, I'm sorry, you get to do this every turn. You You gain more of these at later levels. They improve, all of them improve at 18th level. And the cool thing is, is when you go up in level, you could choose to, I think it is in the rules, don't quote me, this one might not be 100%, but you get to choose if you're going to switch one of them out. <clears throat> at 7th level, you gain magic area. When you use, or excuse me, magic arrow. When you use a non-magical arrow, and, and as you hear this, I know some of you are going to be like, I've been doing that wrong, and that's fine. When you use a non-magical arrow, you can imbibe it with magic to overcome resistance and immunity to non-magical attacks. It's that simple. It's that easy. That is all it does. You also gain something called curving shots. It's not what it sounds like, the, the wanting, I think it is, or wanted, where they're shooting bullets around corners. This is when you shoot and you miss. So you fire an arrow at a target and you miss that target. You choose a new target within 60 feet of that target. And you can use your bonus action. You do have to use up your bonus action economy for this. To re-roll an attack against the new target. Have so much fun flavoring this. Because there's no stipulations. It could be in a 10-foot room. Have a good time. Enjoy it. Have some fun with that. If you want to cartoon, skitter the arrow to a stop and shoot it to somebody else, as long as the end result wins, it doesn't matter how you get there. Flavor, have fun. At 15th level, you gain the ever-ready shot. It's not what it sounds like, like you're just ready to shoot one. But if you use up all your arcane shot options, right? You have no more arcane shot that you can use. And you have to roll initiative. That is the, the key. It's before rolling initiative, you have none. You roll initiative. If you have none, zero arcane shots left when you roll initiative, you get one. This is nice. It adds to the pool. It makes sure that you're never without. And to be honest, even if you run out of arcane shots, if you're 
with a bow and arrow, you're not running out of anything. You can have ties to the arcane for this, for whatever reason. But for some odd reason, when I hear this now, and I, I did not play this as this, I should have. I wish I started playing an archer fighter that hunted down magic users. And during a battle, there was some misuse or something with uh, something arcane went awry and then i got infected my blood is now imbued with magic now i'm an outcast to my hunting group but i'm more effective and i still can hunt magic users or even give myself something that i have to wrestle with and another cool option to that is to take the mage slayer feat Arcane archers are fun. Are they high output damage? Not compared to some of the classes and subclasses that are out there. Do you still get all the armor? Yes. Do you still get all the... Yes. If you're not shooting a bow and arrow, you still have whatever weapons you have on you. You're probably proficient with them. There's nothing wrong with Battle Buster. I thought it was pretty neat, to be honest with you. But again, I don't play just for the combats. I play for the overall experience. I realize my other camera, I keep up my hand in front of my face. I'm John Cena. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, sorry. We're going to jump into Battlemaster next. This is one of them out of the player's handbook. It's one of the first ones out there. So if you ever want to see the comparisons when you look at what comes out in the player's handbook and what comes out later, you'll notice they become more powerful. There's a want to be more powerful. Talk to your DMs. If you're in a group of very powerful people and you're not as powerful, you don't have as many options. Create options. Dungeon Masters, when they come to you and ask you for options, be willing to look at it and, and make it right. When I say that a playing table should be equal, what I'm saying is everybody should have the, an equal opportunity to play the character like they want to play the character. And so allow them to have that. Allow everybody in the party to be part of the party. This is why I'm a big proponent to giving everybody the same pool of numbers to create their character off of. <clears throat> At third level with Battlemaster, you choose three maneuvers. They're in the book. I'm not going to go through them all. And the maneuvers have things to them. So the first thing is it attaches a, superior, a superiority dice to it. Rolling that dice does stuff. It doesn't always use the dice number or roll of the dice, but you only have a limited amount of these. You get... Um, I, don't, I didn't write down. I said you get three maneuvers, but I didn't tell you. Oh, because I'm talking about maneuvers. You get three maneuvers that you, that you can use. You can... Take two more at 7th, two more at 10th, and two more at 15th. And again, in intervals, you um, you can replace one of the older ones with a newer one as well. You start off with your, with your superiority at dice being D8s. And here it is, you get four of them. And once you use four, take a short rest, you gain those four back again. You gain one die extra, so it goes from 4 to 5 at 5th level, and from 5 to 6 at 15th level. <clears throat> How does this work? Well, you choose a maneuver. If you look in the book, it even tells you to roll a superiority dice and do something with the number. 
add damage, subtract from the attack, add to AC, etc. When you when you have these, when you run out of the dice, just remember you need a short rest. This is like playing a warlock with spell. They don't use their spell slots a lot, but I don't understand it because all it takes is a simple short rest to get it back. If you're in the middle of some dangerous situation and you're not going to be able to sit down for an hour, don't do it, but that's what it is. Uh, also, at third level, when you do this, um, you're going to gain something called Student of War. This allows you to choose an artillery tool to be proficient with now remember this was this is a high role-playing thing so while we're doing this our role play is that i would make it something that can be used to war what does that mean does it have to be blacksmithing no does that have to be leatherworking no if you're going to choose mason it'll be because of rebuilding or even deconstructing you have to understand how it's built to take it down Stuff like that. Just choose wisely because once you choose this one, I mean, I would let somebody switch at early levels, but not all DMs do. Just be careful because the rules say that once you choose it, that's it. At 7th level, you gain Know Your Enemy. If you spend a minute out of combat, I know, out of combat, oh no. But if you spend a minute with an enemy out of combat, or it says another creature... You can learn about them in reference to yourself. You're sizing them up, basically. The DM will give you equal, inferior, or superior, depending on the characteristics that you choose. You get to choose two, but there's a list that's longer than that. And it's AC, hit point, I don't know if hit points, strength, con, stuff like that. At 10th level... Your superiority dice goes from a D8 to a D10. It's going to go up again at 18th level to a D12. That'll be the top. This is cool because, remember, it affects the outcomes of maneuvers. It gives you a bigger pool, a bigger chance to have a higher number. Also, if you're one of those people that would rather roll 2D6 instead of 1D12, mathematically, you're actually hurting yourself a little bit. I can explain that later, but mathematically, you're hurting yourself. Even though the lowest number you can have is 2, it, the bell curve is way shallow when it comes to rolling 12. So, At 15th level, you're going to gain Relentless. This means when you roll initiative, just like the Arcane Archer, and you have no superiority dice going into the fight, you gain one superiority dice to use for that fight. This person's battle-hardened. They've been in a lot of wars, but they're one that understands survivability and strategy, right? They're confident. They understand what's going on. They can search a battlefield and make a decision where people need to be, what's the best thing. And when you look through the maneuvers, they, they really look like this itself. You understand war, and I would play that a little bit in Nightmares if you wanted to. So the last one we're going to cover for today is Cavalier. I didn't plan to go any further. I thought this was going to take a little longer, and it didn't. Also, I encourage you, if you're in Twitch chat, to go ahead and shoot questions to me that you want to know the answers to. I, I'm here to chat about them as well. But let's talk about Cavalier. Cavalier is a huge throwback. What do I mean that it's a huge throwback? Well, because I grew up watching... Dungeons and Dragons, a cartoon. The OKR cartoon from the 80s. Uh, 
But this is, that one was kind of dumbed down for TV. It's not what the class was. This is a master of combat, but more specifically, riding combat. I'm going to preface this by saying the player's handbook says horse, but I am going to deliberately not say horse, and I'm going to say mount. I know what the rules say, but Dungeon Masters, if you have a halfling, it doesn't need to be a horse. And even if you have uh, anybody regular size, it does not need to be. It just needs to be a creature that could be a mount. Let them do it. There's nothing wrong with that. Having fun is not going to change the game. It might help the game. First, you're going to gain a new proficiency. There's a list of them. Animal handling's in there. I'm just saying, hint, hint, if you don't have it by now, you're going to need it. <laughs> And when you take Cavalier, you, you start getting other things like born, born to Saddle. It's all about riding and movement. So usually if you go to get on a horse during combat, it takes half your movement to do it. As a Cavalier, it only takes five feet of movement. So you can go further to get onto your horse if you choose. Second, you gain advantage on saves to avoid from falling off your mount, which is an animal handling check normally, and... Yes, everybody has to do this when they're riding. Anything more than just a low rod. If for some odd reason, as a Cavalier, you do fail your save and you fall off your mount, you land on your feet and you're not incapacitated. Unlike everybody else who's going to fall and take a little damage and end up prone, you're going to fall on your feet, take no damage, and, and not be incapacitated. DMs, don't be crazy with that. It's it, Because the book calls it 10 feet, and I don't know why. It's I will tell you from somebody who grew up on a farm that falling off a horse is not a 10-foot fall. Be kind. So at third level, the last thing as a Cavalier that you're going to get is called Unravering Mark. When you hit with a melee attack, you can mark that creature until the end of your next turn. While it is five feet from you, it has disadvantage on all attacks that do not a target that do not target you. Let me say it again. When it is five feet from you, that that creature's five feet from you, it has disadvantage on attacks if they're not attacking you. If it deals damage to another creature, you get to make a special melee attack as a bonus action on your next turn. So one more full attack. You gain advantage on attacks after you've marked them. And when it hits, it does extra damage equal to half your level. You can do this up to your strength modifier every long rest and then it resets. At 7th level, you're going to gain something called Warding Maneuver. If you are a creature you see within 5 feet of you, so there's a lot going on here. <clears throat> you have to be able to see them. They have to be five feet from you. And they're hit by an attack. You can use your reaction. Remember, you only get one. But you can use your reaction, if you still have it, to roll a d8. If you're, if you're wielding a melee weapon or a shield. You attach that number to the AC of the attacked. 
you can use this up to your con modifier every long rest. See how Cavalier's kind of cool? At 10th level, you gain Hold the Line. You can take an attack of opportunity whenever an enemy moves 5 feet or more while in your reach, not just away from you. If you hit them, their speed drops to 0 until the end of the turn that they're in. They can't move any more that round. At 15th level, you gain Ferocious Charger. Whether you are mounted or not, and, and there are benefits to being mounted, but whether you're mounted or not, as long as you move 10 feet in a straight line right before you attack a creature, and you hit that creature, the creature takes a damage and also has to make a strength saving throw or it's knocked prone. You can do this once per one of your turns. Use it. Have fun with it. Also know that you can try to knock somebody prone using the push action as a bonus or on your turns as well as one of your attacks. But that's a whole thing. Go back. It was in one of the Doc Docs. And finally, at 18th level, you gain Vigilant Defender. You get special reactions. You can take once every single creature's turn except your own to make an attack of opportunity. You cannot use a, a normal reaction and this in the same turn. Just remember that. But it is the only restriction. This is more knight than the knights are, and than even a real knight is. And again, you're battle-hardened. You have strategy of battle, but it's not your strength. Your strength is your vigilance and your veracity when you play this. Also, it says horse. I put this in my notes again to reiterate. But fellow dungeon masters, let's allow them to have an appropriate mount and use it for flavor. You don't have to change everything. You can still use a trained mount for the right size of the Cavalier and use the same stats as a horse would have. Or dumb it down, whatever. But allow people to have fun. Fighters are not boring and they're definitely not weak. In my opinion, the fighters should have the faith of all the other PCs that they're playing with. The other players should see the strength in somebody who doesn't have magic or key points or sorcery points or can do all these other cool things. And they hold their own in that party and in some instances can do way better than those people. Keep that in mind when it comes down to this. Remember... Doc Talks is built on not having toxic tables. That's the most important thing here. I haven't seen any questions. Let me scroll through real quick here. Yeah, no questions. I have no questions here. So I either assume everybody knows about Fighter or everybody just assumes they know about Fighter. And that's fine, whatever it is. There are so many more things that happen to the... Or uh, subclasses in the fighters that it really changes what a fighter is too by the way we only covered three we have champion echo knight eldridge knight purple dragon knight or uh banneret rune knight and samurai still to go over so there's a lot to this they each have very unique things 
You don't need all these extra things to create new things either. If you have an idea that is not a published idea, Dungeon Masters, it's there's something in the DMG that talks about creating new things or allowing new things. You might need to be a little bit more seasoned to make sure that it's not overpowered, that everybody has the same equal measure of being the heroes at your table or villains, depending on what you're playing, at your table that everybody else does. You don't have to corner everything. It doesn't need to be in a box. These are just the rules. And I know for a fact these rules were written specifically to be guidelines. But since there aren't any other questions, I'm glad you all stopped by. Very happy everybody stopped by. And I want to remind you to love one another. Keep it nerdy. And live your dreams. Later. This has been a NerdWorks production.